Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, welcome to the First Baptist Church in Coleraine, Massachusetts. I'd like to welcome everybody, wherever you are, listening and watching. All three of you. <laughs> no, not really. Okay. We're studying through the book of Hebrews, and we're in chapter 9. It's 28 verses. We're going to read it each and every one. Worship in the earthly tabernacle is the heading in this version. So let's read it together. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up. In its first room were the lampstand, the table, the consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place has not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being ordered, were not able to clear the conscience of the worshipper. They are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? 
For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of one who made it, because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every commandment of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. He said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So it was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again. The way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with a blood is not his own, that is not his own. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. For now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sanctified once to take away the sins of many people. And he appeared and will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Amen. Woo. There's a lot in there. A lot in there. And we're going to explain everything in a half an hour. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word and uh, just uh, illuminates us and gives us understanding. We pray for that. Pray that we will be uh, able to understand uh, the meaning of these passages in this chapter that's been broken up for our understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of this message is The Two Tabernacles. The Two Tabernacles. You've got a handout. You can fill it out now as we go along. The answers are in the message. Or you can just take it home. Fill it out later. Chapter 9 explains in detail what the old tabernacle and what was required by the high priest to do on behalf of the people inside the inner sanctuary. 
or the Holy of Holies. But the heavenly sanctuary is far superior to any earthly tabernacle. We explained what the tabernacle was last week. In the Old Testament, the, the Jews, when they were the Hebrews, when they got out of Egypt, uh, Moses was given instructions for them to construct a tabernacle where they could worship. And in the presence of God, the high priests would go into the holies of holies. You can learn more about that in Leviticus chapter 16. The heavenly sanctuary is far superior to the earthly sanctuary. What's the heavenly sanctuary? It's, it's heaven. It's where God is. It's where Christ is now, seated at the right hand of the Father. The old tabernacle was ordained by God, and uh, this is not in any way diminishing the importance and significance of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant tabernacle in any way whatsoever. God ordained it. Like I said, he gave instructions to Moses to build that, but it was for that time, it was for that dispensation. A dispensation is a period of time in history or an age, we're living in the age or the dispensation of grace now, amen? Different periods of time. It, it was sufficient for that time, for that dispensation, for that age, but it's an old covenant. Now we have a new covenant because of Christ. The earthly tabernacle was only meant to be temporary. It was never meant to be permanent. That's why it was a, like a tent. It could be... Uh, you know, erected and rebuilt, going from one place to another, from one location to another. In fact, for 40 years until finally they got into the promised land and then they built temples, but it was still made with hands. They're only temporary because there was going to be a more excellent tabernacle to be established and a better covenant. The Old Testament uh, tabernacle it was limited to what it could accomplish. In so many ways, it was just a shadow or a, a copy of better things to come. It fell short, the old tabernacle. It was inaccessible to the people. Only the high priest could go in there, and that was only once a year. The Old Testament sacrificial system was limited to the chosen few. Only the high priests could enter the inner sanctuary, the Holy of Holies. Otherwise, the Holy of Holies, only once a year. We read that. On the Day of Atonement, the Jews still remember this, whether they're Orthodox Jews or not. They remember the Day of Atonement, otherwise known as Yom Kippur. You've heard that in Hebrew. That's what it means, the Day of Atonement. And uh, this coincides the day when Moses gave the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel. Did you know that? Even the high priest himself, he could not enter into the Holy of Holies without offering blood sacrifices for his own sins. He was just human after all. He wasn't perfect. There was only one who was perfect, and that was Jesus. Before he could mediate on behalf of the people between a holy God and sinful man, he had to atone for his own sins. 
and on the Day of Atonement. Yom Kippur, that's the tenth day of the seventh month. The Jews still continue to remember that, the Day of Atonement, the tenth day of the seventh month. You can read more about this and what it all means. Read Leviticus chapter 16 in the Old Testament. To make atonement. The word atone is short for atonement. Now, if you would break up that word into three syllables, at one meant, all right? At one meant, referring to reconciliation between holy God and sinful man. To make atonement is to appease the wrath of a holy God against sinful man. Sins committed by a sinner. How? By the shedding of blood. A blood sacrifice. A living sacrifice. It says there in verse 22. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The Old Testament tabernacle was also ineffective because it couldn't free people from guilt. You ever felt guilty? If you're human, you have. The Old Covenant could only offer external cleansing from sin. It couldn't deal with the guilty conscience. It dealt with the outward, but not the internal state of the heart and the mind that longs desperately to be released from the burden of guilt. I don't know how many millions of people live with a guilty conscience. This is why we needed the greatest sacrifice for the sins we could never pay. A perfect sinless sacrifice who would be willing to die in our place so we could be at one with God. Having peace, knowing that we can be forgiven. Perfect sacrifice. He came in the form of Jesus Christ, the great high priest who has removed the need for that yearly day of atonement sacrifice. It was only temporary, not permanent. And then Jesus ascended into heaven, and he entered the heavenly sanctuary, the most holy place, once and for all, to make atonement so we could be at one with God. He offered his own blood. The new sanctuary is far superior to the old because of the perfect sacrifice that Jesus offered himself. Amen? For the wages of sin is death. That's bad news. Here's the good news. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, the Lord. 
It wasn't the blood of animals that could only, that could only give a temporary reprieve from the wages of sin. It had to be done over and over and over. Only the blood of Christ gives us eternal redemption by his own sacrifice he made on a cross that never needs to be repeated. He only needed to do it once. That was enough. Our eternal redemption. The word redeem, some of you are unaware what the word means, to redeem. It means to buy out. It's the same term used for the purchase of a slave's freedom. All right? If we are redeemed, and I hope that you are, because that's why Jesus died, so you could be. If we are redeemed, then our previous condition as an unbeliever was that of a slave. We needed someone to buy us, to purchase us. Jesus did that with his own blood. God had to purchase our freedom through Christ's death, through his sacrifice on the cross. And now, having received him as our atoning sacrifice, we are no longer in bondage to sin. Chains have fallen off. We're no longer shackled. We're free. It's like that guy got out of jail. He says, I'm free, I'm free. And the kid says, so what? I'm four. I'll just throw that in for nothing, just a bit of humor. Not much, but just a little bit. We're free from the bondage of sin. We're free from the shackles of the devil. We're free from the Old Testament law because we've been reconciled to God. Now, you've probably heard people, they have the audacity to blame God for all the problems in the world. But all the problems in the world are due primarily to the devil and the sickness that came in through man's rebellion against God. The sickness that everyone is born with and what the Bible calls sin. Oh, Jim, why did you, Pastor, why did you keep talking about sin all the time? Because the Bible does. God had to send his own son to deal with that problem that we're all born with so people everywhere couldn't be healed from that deadly disease. The wages of sin is death. It's a deadly disease. And Jesus, in Luke chapter 5, verse 31, he said, Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous who were them? Like those religious Pharisees that thought they were right with God because they were trying to follow the Old Testament law that they couldn't keep. 
the holier than thou's. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I'm glad that he called me the sinner. Amen. I was on my way on the broad road that led to destruction. By God's grace, he saved us. He revealed himself to us because he's merciful. He's not willing that any should perish. Not just the chosen few, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus already paid in full the penalty for our sins on the cross. So that's the only way a person can be changed. Not just on the outside by trying to be good, trying to be perfect, trying to please a God that we don't even know, or trying to follow a set of rules. It has to be a change of the heart on the inside through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we can be changed. Here's an illustration for you. Before preacher and evangelist John Wesley was born again, he did all that he could to earn his salvation. Oh, yes, he was a minister and very religious, but he didn't have true peace and assurance of going to heaven when he died. He served God with the best of his abilities. He even became a, uh, a missionary. And while at sea, on his way to one of the colonies called America, God bless her, on a mission trip to help convert the natives, the ship was in the midst of a terrible, tumultuous storm. Wesley was scared to death. He feared for his life. He was scared of dying, like most people. And then he saw a group of Moravian Christians. And they were singing. And they were at peace in the midst of this raging storm when everyone was freaking out, including Wesley. Now let me digress a little bit. You remember when the Titanic went down? You've heard of the Titanic in 1912? There wasn't enough lifeboats and the band played on. Now they're trying to change history today. They say, well, they never, they never played on. The fact is, we've got eyewitness accounts that people were on that ship that's been documented and recorded. And they say, yes, they were playing. And what they played was, nearer my God to thee. Nearer my God to thee. And they went down with the ship. So let's get back to Wesley. These Moravian Christians, they had a contentment, they had a peace, and had a, a powerful effect on Wesley when he saw that. 
And he said, you know, I went to America to convert the Indians. Oh, but who shall convert me? Later in the chapel, he said he felt his heart strangely warmed. It's then, he said, he trusted in Christ's work on the cross alone for his salvation, not what he could do to earn it. What Jesus did on that cross was sufficient for all people everywhere, for all time. That never needs to be repeated. It never needs to be repeated. It never will be. But it needs to be accepted. Have you accepted it? What Jesus did for you on that cross. Only by Jesus' sacrifice can our sin debt be paid off. To secure forever our eternal redemption. Like I said last week, once you're born again, you cannot be unborn again. Only by believing in his sacrifice for us on the cross can our hearts be purified and our guilty conscience cleansed. He's the only one that can set us free. Free. He who has the Son will be free, free indeed. What about you? You might ask, well, I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be perfect. Well, it won't work. You'll never be good enough to earn a place in heaven by your own efforts. The Bible says that all our Righteousness is like a filthy rag. Stop trying to save yourself. Simply place your trust in what Jesus has already done. He's paid the price in full for your salvation in his own blood. Let me quote Titus chapter 3 verse 5. He, Jesus, saved us. Not because of the righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He has paid in full the price for our salvation with his own blood. There's nothing left for you to do except turn from your sins, believe in Jesus by faith, what he did for you, and then receive him. Receive the free gift that cost him his life. Amen? All right. Let's close in a word of prayer. Again, Father, we want to thank you so much for your word. We thank you for sending your son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he was willing to come. And it was already decided from the beginning of time when man fell that there was only one way that we could be forgiven. 
we could uh, be put right into a relationship with you. And Jesus made atonement for our sins on the cross. We are now, having received the Lord Jesus Christ, we are now at one with God the Father. Our sins are forgiven. We've been washed in the blood of the Lamb and we can never perish. And we thank you for your atoning sacrifice because your sinless blood was the only way whereby our sins could be completely washed away, not just covered, because you paid the price for us, for every person who's ever been born. And it's sufficient to save each and every one of us if we would only believe what you did and the price that you paid for our eternal redemption. And we say thank you, dear God. Thank you for saving our souls and thank you for making us whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, thank you very much and I appreciate you listening wherever you may be. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.